J.M. in the A.M. Well, today's the day, April 20th, that many of us had been considering as an important date in this whole coronavirus situation. And I'll explain what I mean. When this first happened and we were shut down and we lost our ability or our uh, capability of going to synagogue because our uh, synagogues were were shut uh, six Shabbatot ago. And I know it's hard to believe that, that it was already the sixth Shabbos uh, this past Shabbos, very hard to believe. Uh, so when all that happened, we um, we all targeted once Pesach ends, once the holiday season of the two major religions end, uh, you know, hopefully by then, Monday morning afterwards, April 20th, we'll be back on our feet, able to get into our schools, into our workplaces, etc. Well, that's not the case, at least not here in New York, where we've been warned already that uh, this is going to be until May 15th. So I figured we need a word of encouragement. We need a word of uh, support uh, in getting through these times. Dr. Norman Blumenthal, of course, he is uh, the Director of Trauma, Bereavement, and Crisis Response Team at OHEL, in addition to many other titles that he holds. And he is with us live via telephone on this Monday morning. Dr. Blumenthal, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, sir. It's an honor. Appreciate that. Well... Life's all about expectations, and I don't think it's uh, out of the ordinary to say that the way I was thinking, many, many, many other people were thinking who are part of the, you know, American Jewish calendaric <laughs> circle, where where we did in fact circle April 20th, hoping that once the seclusion and isolation of these six weeks would end, that the um, that our state... Uh, that our city would be able to start opening up. They may even consider a plan uh, post-April 20th. I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, I think Mayor de Blasio's first uh, announcement about school closing was till April 20th, if I'm not mistaken. And we thought that we'd at least, you know, wake up this morning uh, in a new direction, you know, anticipating either today getting back into our schools or workplaces or very soon getting back into our schools or workplaces. What can you say, Dr. Blumenthal, to those whose expectations were not met this morning? Certainly, as you said, uh, expectations are important, and when they're dashed, uh, it hurts and it's upsetting. And I think to add to that, I think if there was a formal announcement, well, we were a little off, it's just one more week, right. we could hunker down and grin and bear it. But the problem, and I think that's one of the challenges of this current crisis, is the enormous ambiguity, so much that's unknown. And one of the unknowns is how long is this going to linger? What's it going to be like? Or how, in what manner are we going to res- resume our routine? And are we going to come out of it the same people with the same type of routine uh, that we had previously? So the struggle to a large extent, and, and I challenge, maybe I should say instead of struggle, because that's how we like to look at things, that these are challenges and opportunities to grow, is to deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity. Dr. Blumenthal, um, not that this is our issue, and it's certainly not yours, but, but it might calm me down a bit. Did you find it unusual that on the, and if I'm not mistaken, it was the 16th of April, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Achron Shal Pesach, because I heard about it after Yuntif. Do you find it unusual that the governor of the state of New York on the 16th of April would talk about a lockdown till the 15th of May? Don't you think it might have been psychologically a bit better if the next stage would have been announced, I don't know, in some type of increment? Uh, it certainly would have been easier. I think many of us, not everybody, but many of us are anxious to get back to our routine, and there's a lot of worry 
about what, what we're facing. And again, if somebody could have said something with more certainty, could have given us a mapped out plan, uh, that would be that would be certainly better. Look, our, our rabbi teaches things simcha kataras osvekas that um, we always feel better when we have some element of certainty and some knowledge of what we can anticipate. Obviously, that hasn't been destined yet for this situation. No question about that. Dr. Norman Blumenthal is with us. So when you're on and when you're discussing, you know, such, such a variety of topics related to this whole coronavirus situation, uh, we ask you about coping in these situations. Um, th- there's no question that you must be hearing from families that are going through tremendous challenges. In fact, I, I think you would agree with me uh, that for those of us who thank God have stable and loving family situations, we should be thanking God every moment for the circumstances that we're in at this point, correct? Absolutely. Being uh, gratitude in psychological research, uh, people who are able to express and actually uh, enumerate, uh, like keeping a gratitude journal, um, are better off psychologically on many dimensions. Uh, There's less depression, less anxiety, they're healthier, they sleep better, they're more productive at work. There's even research that shows that people who who keep the gratitude journals um, have secrete more dopamine and serotonin in the central nervous system. In other words, it's a natural tranquilizer and antidepressant. So we have to be grateful for a lot of things, for our family, for the homes that we do have. We have to be grateful that we have the technology, that it allows us to at least have some connection uh, and contact. But when we're deprived, that's all the more, that's time it's all the more important to enumerate our gratitude. With all that in mind, do you find yourself concentrating more when saying Moda'ani? Um, I'm usually too groggy by when I'm saying Modahani, <laughs> but when, when I say Modim in the Shmona Esrei, I usually try to think of something in my life that I'm grateful for. I'll tell you, I, I, I was concentrating on Modahani because, frankly, it has been so much more meaningful to me because these days it is no small feat to just wake up healthy and raring to go on a typical day. Good point. Dr. Norman Blumenthal is with us. Now, I, I cannot keep track of all the groups and sessions that you're doing. And kudos to Ohel, uh, who, who've kept me up to date. And this is my problem, not theirs. Uh, I am being inundated, rightfully so, with all the information about the different things that are being offered. And to their credit, it is just amazing what's going on. L- let's, we'll try to get to a couple of them. Let's start with this one. You are actually beginning for men on Thursday night, April the 23rd, and for women on Monday nights, starting on April the 27th, a group called a four-week group for adults who experience COVID-19 parental loss. Now we have, I mean, imagine everybody out there, you know somebody who's passed away and you know people, children, even if they're adult children, even if they're children in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s who are now sitting Shiva or have sat Shiva in this most unusual manner, Everyone knows. Imagine just multiply it by the the hundreds and thousands that are being affected by this. Um, I would think this is a very big challenge for you, Dr. Blumenthal, not questioning your credentials, your abilities to do it. But this has got to be such an unusual situation. You've never obviously addressed this type of topic before, correct? That's for sure. This is unprecedented. And I'm not 40 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you go about this? I mean, I'm sure you've thought a million times about how to open up these sessions, both this coming Thursday night and a week for tonight uh, for the women. 
Um, what's going to be the direction? There are people who are not only going to be feeling lost, there are going to be people feeling emptiness. You know, some a friend of mine passed away yesterday, and I posted on Facebook, I said, I, I need the family to know that as you sit and cry now, there are others crying with you. We may not be there with you. We may not be able to come and, and actually visit with you and share all these thoughts and feelings, but you need to know that there are other people, in this case hundreds or thousands around the world, who are you know really sad about what happened. And I think that might be a good place to start, right? Yes, it's, it's challenging, and I, I'm sort of groping and learning as I go along as well. Actually, uh, yesterday I did a, a two seminars on that, uh, one for teachers and one for the general community with Rabbi Israel Reisman uh, about grieving under these circumstances. Um, we have to be creative. We have to use whatever resources we do have to impart our care and love for those who are, are bereaved. Um, and we, we, instead of trying to convince them that they don't have to be so sad or try to wake, take away their sadness, we have to find imaginative ways and, you know, through using the mediums that we have, the media that we have, to impart our love for them, our care for them, and sharing, as you said, sharing in the grief. Right. There are elements of consolation that we can still um, impart, and we have to sort of highlight and emphasize those. Uh, you know what I, I think people need to keep in mind also? Very often when we place a literal condolence call, when we speak with someone who's sitting Shiva over the phone, we're traveling, we're not able to be there, etc., very often we try to keep those calls short because we know that the person obviously is likely sitting with people there that they are hosting, and you don't want to you know impinge on those who actually went completely out of their way uh, to visit the person. In this case, it's exactly the opposite. If you get the feeling that someone on the other end wants to just sit and speak for 20, 25 minutes, that may be the best way to handle it because there's obviously nobody, no outsiders outside of their own immediate family, no outsiders in the house. It may be very helpful to just you know, be able to carry on a very long conversation with them. If, if the person is receptive, sometimes people are comforted more by a short visit. Sometimes it has to do right. with the relationship you have with the person prior to the loss. If you're a close friend, obviously you can spend more time. Right. If you're more close friend, you'll spend less. You have to sort of read the individual and, and see. The, the main thing is if you give them the impression that you care and that you want to learn about their loved one who died, you want to hear about that person, uh, it doesn't have to be a lengthy call or, or a Zoom visit. Yeah, 100%. Um, Dr. Blumenthal, we, uh, now now just circling back to our original topic for a moment because sure. April 20th has been on my mind for a long time, frankly. Um, um, were you surprised? I, I, read in, I, I read an article over Yuntif about how many people are now, as opposed to hanging up on telemarketers, there's so much loneliness out there. They're engaging with telemarketers and poll takers who normally need to get off that phone after five, ten minutes so they can do their job and move on to the next call. But they're sitting on the phone for 20, 30 minutes because they're hearing about the loneliness and problems that certain people have. Does that surprise you at all? It, I didn't hear that myself, but it doesn't surprise me. Loneliness is a terrible state. Loneliness is a health hazard. It's not just being apart from friends, it's, an, it's a state in which people feel compromised in significant ways. And uh, it's nice that telemarketers can fill that void, but I think it's more important that we realize that and that we reach out particularly to those who are, uh, relatively speaking, alone or isolated or confined in small uh, living quarters uh, to connect with them. And it doesn't have to be lengthy conversations. You're probably better off having several uh, short 
connections than one long conversation and not calling back for two, three weeks. Right, I hear that. A um, couple of things I want to point out from our friends at OHEL. First of all, Gladys Cortez Feliciano is doing uh, parenting and quarantine uh, sessions that people can join uh, via Zoom. That's happening on uh, uh, Thursdays at 1 p.m. And um, uh, then there is a and, – and by the way, this may really go right back to the topic of the 20th of April. Um, and I know this is in your topic. These are your colleagues who are doing it. But there's something happening – this Wednesday night, April 22nd, through Zoom uh, with a couple of really amazing professionals, um, Heather Gray and Razel Kielsen, called Put Your Oxygen Mask On First. And I wonder that, that that, again, may be a really important message for a day like today because it, talk about managing expectations. You know, if we show our children how frustrated we are that it didn't work out, you know, getting back to normal work and normal school today, that would be a bad thing. But if we're able to, you know, put our oxygen mask on first – and, and deal with everything personally and understand and manage our own expectations and, and deal with the disappointment, uh, then certainly the rest of today and the rest of this week should go a lot better. I'm sure you agree with that. Absolutely. And don't try to fool your children. Don't, don't, if you are yourself uh, unnerved and you kind of try to act like it doesn't concern you, nobody reads it better than our children. So you have to put your oxygen in the head gun first. You have to find some resolution, some way to come to terms with this reality before you try to uh, process it with your children. You know, I jokingly uh, said to somebody who was, um, well, whatever the circumstances was, they, they, they weren't going to be around for a few weeks. So I jokingly said to them, um, uh, you know, take your shvuas machzer. You know, and of course they said, well, that's, you know, ridiculous. By shvuas will be in shul. By shvuas things will be back to normal. Uh, you know, May 15th, the week before shvuas, Dr. Blumenthal. And, you know, I, I was, and I think I speak for many of us, I was ready to sacrifice Pesach. You know, I'm a guy who really likes to be in shul. Our shul starts at 9:10, and I generally walk in at nine o'clock, so I like to be there. And I sacrificed the Pesach holiday, and I understand all the benefits of it. Believe me, I know it saved lives, and and we should make sure the minyanim do not take place anywhere. Believe you me, everyone knows my position on this. But you start thinking about the next holiday and the next gathering uh, that you you know potentially would have. It, it starts to it starts to weigh on you a little bit. Absolutely. I think that's one of the big challenges of this situation. As I mentioned earlier, is the ambiguity that we have to surrender to. I think we, we're really humbled by this. And uh, if we certainly it's an opportunity to realize how we really don't run the world, and even the great leaders and scientists are, are lost and confounded, um, that there is the Hashem that's running the world. But we have to surrender to the uncertainty and hope and pray that this does resolve quickly and that there's no more collateral damage in the process and we emerge from this the better people. No question about it. And and not that this is any revelation. I think everybody knows it. But from your position in the community, you have seen every segment of the community in every geographic area and really around the globe be affected by this. It is, yeah. it, it, it's hard not to get sucked into the communal sadness that is legitimate, and that is, and that is in fact so sad. But there's also communal resilience, and there's also communal courage. And there's a lot of communal love, so we have to balance it as well. This is bringing out, and sometimes it's bringing out the worst, but in, I think more so from what I've seen is bringing out the best in people, and yeah. we have to sort of have that mixed view, otherwise we're getting demoralized. You know, it's funny. I used to call people five weeks ago and say, I'm just calling to make sure you're healthy, and they that on the other end of the line, it sounded like, you know, they were skeptical. That's the reason I called. Now, 
when we do it, everyone gets it. Because now, thank God, as you just said, there's love out there and everyone's doing it. Everyone is literally just checking in on people they may have not spoken to in 18 months, but they just want to make sure everyone's healthy. Right. And a lot of creativity, some even good humor. Yeah. That better. So it's bringing out a lot of good in people as well. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it takes hardship to do that. But we're actually seeing that as well. You know, you always mention the humor when you're on. You must have a couple of favorite COVID cartoons, I would bet. <laughs> I do. I do. None that I made, but, uh, but many that I'm appreciated. I think we all are. As I've often said, as, as humor that makes fun of a situation that we're all share, that we all, we're all in, that's universal, is helpful. That which is done at the expense of someone else, of course, is not. Right. But most of it has been in good taste. And as I said, it just takes the edge off of it. Hundred um, percent. Dr. Norman Blumenthal, information about his um, um, four-week program, four-week group for adults via Zoom, TheraZoom, OHEL's TheraZoom Telemental Health Support, which is available obviously nationally and even around the world in theory. Uh, his four-week group for adults who experience COVID-19 parental loss starts for men this coming Thursday night. Uh, starts for women a week from tonight on Monday. You need to pre-register. Space is limited. You can go to ohelfamily.org for information, ohelfamily.org. Um, if you email Laura underscore Bart, Laura underscore Bart, B-A-R-T, at ohelfamily.org, you'll be sent a link and a password for that. And as I said, uh, uh, there, there are so many other programs that OHEL is doing at this point, the Parenting and Quarantine one uh, that I mentioned, the uh, Put Your Oxygen Mask On First, which is this coming Wednesday at 9 p.m. with a couple of amazing presenters. And many, many others, including one-on-one telehealth, which is uh, also so important. Information about all of it, go to ohelfamily.org, ohelfamily.org. If I told you, Dr. Blumenthal, that that between Purim and now you would never have visited one school, you never would have believed it. There are a lot of things I wouldn't have believed. <laughs> That's true. I can't thank you enough for all your service and your love and dedication for our community, and uh, thanks so much for your time this morning. You too, Nachum. Thanks for keeping us all connected. Appreciate that very, very much. It is, in fact, April 20th, and we're going to make it, everybody. We're going to make it to the next <laughs> to the next uh, week and the next week after that, and we'll keep on going um, with our resilience and our love and our care for one another, uh, even if the governor of New York tells us that the isolation must continue until the 15th of May.